You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Texans are back on the winning track, and Bill O'Brien has his first 10-win season as the Texans coach. They defeat the Jets 29-22, and there's even more good news this NFL weekend. We're about to break this baby down in our post-game show. Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with my co-host Brian Patterson from Fansided's House of Houston.com, who's joining me after seeing the game in person at MetLife Stadium. As always, thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. And the Texans superstars got it done. Deshaun Watson, 22 for 28, 292 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. His fifth game-winning drive in the fourth quarter or overtime this season, which ties him with Drew Brees for most in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins. Another one of the superstars who hadn't had a 100-yard game in his previous four weeks with 10 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. He also became the second youngest player to reach 500 career receptions in NFL history. Again, the second youngest player to reach 500 career receptions in NFL history, trailing only Larry Fitzgerald. Another star, J.J. Watt, two sacks, a forced fumble, six tackles, and two tackles for loss. Well, Brian, where do you want to begin the discussion? I I want to begin the discussion pretty much with we got out of that game with our hides, and um, the the game could have gone a lot different. I kind of wish Lamar Miller was in the mix to see how robust the offense would have been before he got hurt, and we'll talk about that. He wasn't getting much in terms of yardage, you know, across the you know across the field. You know, he wasn't making an impact out there. But uh, thank goodness, you know, we do have Deshaun Watson, a, a quarterback that you know seems to shine whatever the moment is in front of him. And you've got DeAndre Hopkins with an incredible catch, just time and time again. Uh, you see hero ball catches like he's doing uh, right there. So fortunate to have those two guys, but. I honestly, even though the Texas did have the lead at the half, just barely, um, I was still very concerned about how they would perform at the end of this game, how the outcome would come into effect. It's it's a strange game because you look at the offensive possessions and in the first half, the Texans are doing good. It's just they're not getting the touchdowns. The The first offensive right. drive, you get the Fairbairn 41-yard field goal. The second offensive drive, another 32-yard Fairbairn field goal. Uh, the third offensive drive, drive you get the Deshaun to DeAndre 45 yard touchdown pass they're up 13 to 3 uh then the fifth drive or the fourth drive you have a five play 34 yards 53 yard Fairbairn field goal it's 16 to 3 then that's when the half ends so uh you know that was what they did in the first half they were doing it offensively and then it was in that second half where uh things just started off horribly and the Jets got back into the game uh Watson as good as his game was, and I mentioned the numbers, you know, I just I hate to beat it into into the ground, but you know there was a coverage sack that ends that first drive of the second half. The second drive ends uh, when he another coverage sack. So you got that type of stuff happen with Deshaun, where you go, you know, he's got to see the field quicker. That's what he's got to do. But then you talk about it when, when the lights got the bright in the fourth quarter. You know, uh, you had the big running catch with DeAndre Carter that sets up uh, Deshaun um, to uh, 
you know, almost get a touchdown, but then he didn't read the blitz, took a big sack on third down. So that was another fair barren field goal. But then he really got it done. Seven plays, 75 yards, throws it to DeAndre Hopkins, who makes the incredible catch. And really, th- there it is. That's the ball game for you. They got the, the late field goal on the next drive, uh, just kind of trying to kill some time off the clock. But when you look at it, Brian, I mean, it, it's, you know, he's getting scores. It's just not the scores that you want. And the drives that he's not getting scores on, there's just times where he's just hanging on to the ball too long. You know, this, we've seen their pattern repeat. The unfortunate thing is you want to see them start to figure it out before the playoffs come along. And we're getting to the point of the season where we're not seeing that upward trend that I thought we were seeing the last few weeks. And we're starting to see them sort of regress a little bit back to the team that we saw a lot earlier in the season. Yeah, and um, with you there, but let's just look at the numbers here. here. Here's the deal between Sam Darnold and Deshaun Watson in terms of pass protection. Deshaun Watson was sacked six times, and that was for he a total of 55 yards lost in, in regard to that. Think about all those yards that could have been gained, and that could have been more points up on the board. On average, 10.5 yards per sack that he took every time he had the ball out there, and he was holding on to it too long. Sam Darnold, three times sacked, um, only a loss for 25 yards at 6.6 yards per sack. So, that the pass protection has got to get better, but we keep saying that week after week, it's almost going to have to be another tweak with the offensive line uh, in the off season. And like I said, yeah, we're going to have to definitely go in in the off season, invest in a, a tackle uh, quite early in the draft. I wouldn't mind even going in the first round to do it because yeah, if, if I, this continues, I mean, yeah, we we've known that they need to get get a little bit better on the offensive line, but I, that's where I just disagree with you. I think so many of these sacks were coverage sacks. He's he's holding and he's holding and he's holding out of the ball. These sacks are not the offensive line's fault. Most of them, I mean, they are Deshaun Watson's fault. He's got to get rid of the football. And like we've talked about in the past week, and we've talked about it earlier this year, it's good that he's at least learning not to throw the ball up for grabs and where you get turnovers and that kind of thing happens, that's good. Now his next lesson has got to be, look, if, if I don't see anything there, just throw the ball away. Throw it away. You know, don't take a sack. Don't take uh, lost yardage because then you leave yourself with second long, third and long. That's what happens. And so, you know, that's to me, I, I just disagree with you. I don't think most of this is the offensive line's fault. In fact, if you look at pro football focus, their numbers are really, really good as far as the offensive line's pass protection in this game. The running, that was a whole other story. That's where the offensive line really failed the Texans is the run game. And and yeah, they lost Lamar Miller, but I think it had to do with there wasn't the holes there. I mean, there just wasn't even Lamar Miller starting the game. He wasn't seeing anything. So I just disagree with you. I think this offensive line, my concern is the last two weeks that they haven't run the football like they were. They're not creating the holes that they were. I, I'm, I'm just not of the belief that, you know, this is uh, on the offensive line as far as some of the sacks that Deshaun's taken. It, I, it just isn't. Well, let me ask you this. Is it because he is not getting – I, I think he's getting an adequate amount of time to make a decision, but does he need more time? Does he need another second to kind of think things through and make you a decision? You don't get another second in the NFL. These guys are too good. You can't hold these guys forever. I, I just, I'm sorry, man. It's just like, how long do you want to hold him? Jesus. 
at least long enough to call his mother. I mean, you know, order lunch, you know, I, whatever it takes for him to be successful. But again, you know, quick release of the football. I, I would love to see it out of him. That's just one of his, you know, weaknesses. Uh, but he's got a lot of strengths. And I, I certainly hope that he overcomes them. But again, he, he did so much during the game, you know, especially whenever the game was on the line. He came through in the clutch. But but this there, there has to be some way that he has to figure to not always try to go out there and make the play, but just – and he was doing a little bit of that. He was throwing the way a ball a little bit, but uh, with with the sacks that he took, I mean, six sacks, that's just six too much. I mean, it's okay to take maybe one or two. It's you know honestly not good to take any at all, but he can't keep doing this because it's going to wear his body down, and all of a sudden there's not going to be any Deshaun Watson for us to cheer for. Yeah, it's it's the next level that he's got to take. I mean, we, we, we've talked about it. I feel like I've thrown it into the ground, not <laughs> like he's doing and throwing it into the ground, but the way we're doing it is like we're throwing it into the ground. But yeah, we, we talked yeah. about it ad nauseum. Uh, let's get to some of the other stuff. But first, just re- want to remind everybody that, you know, the Texans were favored by six and a half points. So if you bet on the Texans, they did cover over the Jets. And if you think you can make a couple of bucks off some games in the next week or two, we're, we got the NBA going on. All sorts of sports, you know the place to go. It's my bookie, and remember, you know who you know this. Who you're betting on, it's just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in business for years. My bookie's got great reviews. Their mobile site's easy to use. We only recommend a service that's been good to us. That's why we urge you to wait. Make your way to my bookie. They have in-game live betting, over/unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. If you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m., they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON25, and you get it right here exclusively. LOCKEDON25 activates the offer. Real easy to uh, remember. And if you wait till 6 p.m., you get that extra $25 free play by using our exclusive promo code. Go ahead, wait till after dinner. Take the extra money. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, much more to talk about in this game besides Deshaun Watson. A couple of notes. Bill O'Brien, we talked about Lamar in- Miller's injury. He said he doesn't think Lamar Miller's in- ankle injury is serious, so that's good to hear. Uh, Brian, big game, I thought, nice game from Bernardrick McKinney. I heard his name getting mentioned in s- some stuff a little bit more, which was good to hear. But uh, I tell you where a concern I'm starting to have is Sharice Wright, Blue coverage on one of the touchdowns. A couple weeks in a row, he's blown coverage on touchdowns. Sharice Wright, you weren't expecting much. He was a guy that you pulled off the street. But Aaron Colvin's back, and he was a big free agent signing, if everybody uh, remembers that back in the offseason. We yeah. talked about Aaron Colvin. Yeah. W- where is he, Brian? I think and Romeo Cornell talked about this a couple of weeks back about how he's slowly bringing him in into uh, the rotation and that, you know, he understands that he's not getting the play in time that he should. But it was kind of more of a, you know, I'm paraphrasing here that he knows what he's doing. I, 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 you know, I'm the defensive coordinator and I know what's best for this team. But putting Sharice right out there, I mean, like you said, he, he was signed off the street. But he is just not fast enough against the more talented receivers. T.Y. Hilton burned him all over the place. And then Robbie Anderson, you know, with the touchdown that he caught there, that was all on Sharice Wright. Robbie Anderson is fast because he's he's their deep ball threat. We talked about that last week. That's the guy you got to be worried about. Robbie 
Aronson, and then it was all over Sharice Wright. So it's just cringing to watch, uh, to see him. But I think he's giving it everything he has. But sometimes, you know, it's it's just all a matter of do you have what it takes to go out there and to defend those faster uh, receivers because he really, really got blown out there. Not to say Aaron Colvin showed us a whole lot earlier in the season, but he has a history of doing things in the NFL, and Sharice Wright really doesn't. I mean, Brian, you and I talked about his uh, pro football focus numbers. They looked good. I mean, it wasn't just that. I mean, there there was a definite thought that this guy, uh, the eye test, whatever you wanted to go by, was a good cornerback. And I want to talk a little mm-hmm. about, because we're partners with Pro Football Focus, and Whitney, Mer- Whitney Merciless, according to Pro Football Focus, he graded out 36 out of 100 in this game. For the year, This that was in coverage, in pass coverage. For the year, his coverage grade, it's 40. Ugh, it's not good. And it's not like he's barely ever in coverage because if you look at the numbers, he's been in coverage 152 times this season. Brian, we just mentioned this this week, and and to me, the writing is more and more on the wall. When you look at the numbers, when you watch what's happening on the football field, it's time to deal Whitney Merciless and find an outside linebacker who better fits the Texans system because they just can't put him in coverage. And if that's what you want from Whitney Merciless's position, which is obviously what they do, then you're wasting your talent with Whitney Merciless. You're wasting your time, and you're also hurting the Texans in coverage. It, it hurts them because 152 times is not a small number, and, and he's going to get beat a lot of those times. Yeah, and he's he's past the 30 mark. I mean, once you once you pass 30, you know, you look at you know your abilities and how strong you're going to be the rest of the way for your career. You, you start that downward spiral. And I know Whitney Merciless. Uh, if you're you know if he were listening to this, he wouldn't like hearing this because he of course he steals. He feels he's he's got it, but you know with the numbers that he's putting up, you know with his value, that's certainly not helping. But uh, could you get could you get something for Whitney Merciless if you wanted to trade him? Absolutely. And I, I imagine it would be somewhere around, you know, maybe a third or fourth round pick. You know, I would put that on the table because I know that, you know, depending on what scheme or, or what team he goes to, what defensive coordinator works with him, they're going to find something that's going to suit his strengths the best. And you notice he's kind of been playing a little out of position. You know, he's kind of been doing a little this, a little that, and, you know, not really just being that big pass rusher that he has been known for. I want to see the 2012 Whitney Merciless that had me get out of my chair. I'm a lazy boy when I was watching the game. 2012. No, he was not good (laughs) in 2012. He he just – he got it. Remember over the last, like – Three or four years. No, 2012, he was not good. We were worried about him in 2012. Was it 2015? Yeah, maybe 2015. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah. your you got your dates messed up a little bit. But, you know, I, yeah. I'm I, talking I think, about Matt Schaub. I think fourth-round pick would be at worst case. And they, they lost the fourth-round pick for Demarius, so maybe they could get the fourth-round pick back. And Whitney Merciless has costed you some money against the cap, so it's a little bit of money that you could save. It, I wish they could figure out a way – to use him and Clowney and J.J. Watt, all three of those guys on the pass rush, because those are your three most talented pass rushers. It's unfortunate, but if that's what Romeo wants in his defense, then they've got the wrong guy. I mean, that's that's the problem. And, you know, what do you think of Romeo? You know, he's a top 10 defensive coordinator, top 10 every year. So that's the problem with with where they're going with this. Uh, D.J. Reader had his best game of the year, according to Pro Football Focus. So D.J. Reader who felt like he's not necessarily regressed this year, 
but I don't think he's been quite as strong as he was last season. So it, it's good to see him have a really good game against the Jets. Um, just, you know, those are some numbers that I noticed, Brian. What else uh, caught your eye in this game? And by, by the way, how was the how was it? Uh, how was MetLife Stadium? What did you think of the atmosphere there? The MetLife Stadium is uh, very modern, um, but I expected to see it just looks very basic when you come into the inside. But when you look at it from the outside, you know, it, it looks like it's 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 a jewel or something to, to behold when you walk in. But um, it's it, it just has a hollow feel to me. I just didn't feel necessarily connected uh, to the action. But um, I, I sat with Jets season ticket holders. They had been for decades, and they were telling me stories about how they used to watch uh, Joe Namath at uh, Giant Stadium. Oh, wow. I believe, yeah, one of them was a lawyer, uh, one of them was a chiropractor. The other one was, I believe, a surgeon. Uh, so they, so I talked with them, and they, 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 they just had some uh, amazing stories about how things were uh, back then. Um, luckily, because. The Jets are so bad. I sat pretty close. Yeah, I was just a couple of rows up from the field, and I was able to get a, a close-up look behind the bench to see, you know, what was going on. So when Lamar Miller went down, that was right in front of me. You know, he a lot of guys had piled on top of him, and that's how that right ankle got messed up. But uh, just the, the MetLife Stadium itself, you know, it it for what it is, I I, I do. I, I like it because it's new, but in terms of NFL stadiums I've been to, you know, it's hard to top uh, Century League Field. Century League Field has, in, in every aspect of its design, is geared toward the fan experience, and it's loud. <laughs> you guys that have been around since Joe Navid, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And they're getting ready to retire. They're working a little bit longer, but they're talking about retiring and they were do, doing all that stuff too. So, you know, I, I, I uh, it was just really a joy to uh, talk with them. And um, I think one of the, the other, one of the guys name was, I believe Kevin, the other one was Mark and uh, yeah, yeah, they were pretty cool guys. 45 years. I think it's been since Joe Namus played for the Jets somewhere in that yeah. neighborhood. It's, it's been 40 plus. I, I, I'm sure of that a couple other things just defensively before, I guess we, wrap up the some of our defensive talk but you know the the Texans it it felt felt like they got lucky because of this and we we talk about luck and stuff and and that's going to happen but Robbie Anderson drops that fourth down pass uh late in the game and Robbie Anderson is sort of he is the issue with the Jets because Brian I don't know what you thought Darnold Definitely has got some skills. The problem is his receivers are not very good, and and that's killing him. He doesn't have any weapons, and just it's amazing that he's able to turn something out of nothing uh, like this. You know, turning uh, you know chicken, uh, you know what, into chicken salad. You know, as I like to say. So um, I, I would say Robbie Anderson is just one of your your, your biggest threats out there that you could throw to, and he, he did have success out there with the football. But obviously you saw out in the game, this guy's got some wheels, and he will use them whenever he needs to. Um, and it seemed like it caught – you know, the guy, the linebackers off guard when he would start taking off running because, you know, he's so quick, you know, you know, on, you know, the line and everything that that's what happened. And also I want to ask you, uh, what was the deal? I don't know if you saw the neutral zone infraction with uh, J.J. Watt. Did, did Darnold get him to jump? I wanted to go back and see that. But if it's the play that I'm thinking of, what yeah. happened was if you saw it, J.J. Watt was 
motioning because he thought the center had done something with the football and he, yeah, he started yeah. pointing there and the, the refs weren't buying it, you know, and I think mm-hmm. he more than anything just drew attention to himself and drew attention to the, to the, you know, he should, if he would have just got back on and not made the big deal about it with the officials, they might not even have called anything. Um, but mm-hmm. speaking of JJ, cause you get into something I want to ask you about on LockedOnTexans.com, our man, Joe, Esquivel Murphy makes his case for JJ as defensive player of the year. What do you think about that? Because we know Aaron Donald, you start looking at his numbers this year and he's got the rep. Now he's going to be in that conversation. Where do you feel like you feel like JJ's in that conversation? I I think he could be in the top three. I just, I don't know. He's on the ballot. I just don't know if he's quite uh, done enough to, to get himself in, in the, conversation to be number one on that ballot he's got the sack numbers there's no question he does but when you compare him to the J.J. Watt that we saw when he won it back-to-back years no no he's not there and and there's no way he's going to get back to that point I mean he's just had too much of you know the the injuries the the injuries that he suffered you know they were they they were devastating you know a lot of guys can't come back from that and here jj wadi is out there on the field still contributing still honoring his contract uh to be honest with you i mean joe makes a great case it was a pleasure to read it joe and keep up the good work if you're listening man uh but aaron donald's good he's got this i mean he's aaron donald is going to be the premier defensive player for quite some time as jj watt gets ready to ride off into the sunset we give big hugs out to joe man if you, that's right that's right give you big hugs <laughs> but uh hey if you if you love the podcast tell your friends and followers let them know they can find us on spotify the google podcast app itunes and soon to be Pandora. Uh, you could support our show by sharing the links on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Maybe write us a nice review on iTunes. Email lockedontexans.mail.com for questions or comments. We want to bring you into the conversation. All right, Brian, we've got some key stats for the Texans we got to get to. They have not turned the ball over in seven of the last eight games and four consecutive games, which is the longest streak of games without a turnover and franchise history. They improved their record to 20 and 2 when winning the turnover battle in a game since 2015. Um, so that number is incredible because their 90.9 winning percentage with a positive turnover differential in a game is the third best in the NFL over that span. Very remarkable. So the turnover battle. I mean, you talk about it every single year. It's the X factor turnovers and injuries. Injuries sometimes is luck. Turnovers, not so much. That's, you know, that's about having the emphasis to take care of the ball, which Deshaun Watson has gotten so much better at. We've talked about it. He's improved. That's great. But also, they're causing turnovers. We didn't see it as much in this game, but this team, for the most part, has figured out a way to turn the ball over in a lot of games this season. Uh, Defensively, guys are getting it done. Uh, We've talked about guys like Justin Reed. Uh, Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, a lot of the guys in the secondary uh, causing some turnovers for sure. But throughout the throughout the uh, season, it's been different guys stepping up. And of course, the guy that always steps up, JJ stepped up in this game with a uh, great play where he just beats his guy and he comes across the face of the running back, knocks the ball loose. And that led directly to a field goal for the Texans. But, you know, you can't say enough about it. You turn the ball over. It helps. And I'd like to put a bow on this one. Yeah, look at this stat. In the last eight games, 
You know, Deshaun Watson has thrown 15 touchdown passes with just two interceptions, at least one touchdown pass in all eight games. And both interceptions came against the Redskins. And, you know, those two interceptions, you know, that happened were the only turnovers for the team in this past eight game span. Think about that. That's that's what the whole situation is with Bill O'Brien. He's allowed him to throw more, but he does not want him to turn over the football. And that's what was happening early in the season. And that's what's making a difference for this team. Now, there are a lot of other inadequacies that's that's going on that that why we're not blowing opponents out of the water. And, you know, this team's going to work through that. You know, I mean, they're not they're not perfect, but uh, winning the turnover battle and not committing any. That's one of the most important things to do. If you are considered a playoff team that is going to do some damage in the postseason. Another number that's pretty darn important, Kaimi Fairbairn, who was perfect in field goal attempts, leads the NFL now in total points scored and field goals made this season. He's made 34 of his 39 field goal attempts. And Brian, it's so important that the Texans now maybe have their most reliable field goal kicker that we've seen in their history. I mean, arguably, you could say that. The other thing that's important to note is while he was making all of those field goals, including a 53-yarder, his uh, his uh, guy on the other side, the guy on the other side, uh, he was missing two extra points, two huge extra points in this game. And, oh, and that yeah. changes the whole complexion of the game late in the game if he makes both of those extra points. But, I mean, is there a guy, Brian, that you can remember in Texans history Maybe Chris Brown when he was rolling at one point. I don't know. Is there a guy that's kicking the ball better than Kaimi Fairbairn is right now? You go back to all the kickers, and I was thinking the same thing while you were going through that thought, Rob. I was thinking about Chris 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 Brown going through, you know, his earlier years, you know, before you know he started to lose his fastball, you know, right around the, you know, that I believe that was the 2013 season. And maybe even a little. No, that was a little bit sooner than that. I'm so sorry. I, I do believe that it's a little bit earlier than that. But uh, Chris Brown is a perfect example because he was with the organization. He was the organization's first kicker, and uh, he was given every opportunity to, you know, to to succeed. But Fairbairn's just done it because uh, the situation with him is a lot of the times. And you you talked about this, Rob, on some of the past shows uh, when the laces are out when the laces when the laces are out you know he's a lot more successful of a kicker when they are in it's it's going to be a hit or miss in terms of him making the field goal and then also yesterday the wind wasn't that it wasn't much of a factor so he should have been able to make those field goals but he's connecting from deep and uh that's 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 very good you know whatever whatever you know he goes out there we call on him to make that kick he goes out there and does it and he seems to be the respond well when there's pressure and when the game is on the line because despite you know where the Texas were in control of that possession the final possession of the game that still was a high pressure kick because those three points just put you up just what seven what was it 29 22 you know that was the final score that's what put the points up on the board that's still a high pressure kick and if he would have missed it that would have put it put the jets uh, in a different type of situation you know trying to to drive to get out there into they if, if they would have scored it would have been the ball game for the jets so 
a very, very good uh, performance by Cammy Fairbairn. Sometimes it's going to be up to the kicker uh, to rely on them in order to win football games. Right, what do you mean sometimes? For the Texans, all the time it's up to the kicker because that's As their of late. offense <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the time. And Cammy Fairbairn, the 53-yard field goal, it's very strange. Here Bill O'Brien is going, I'm going to have Kaimi Fairbairn kick a 53-yard field goal in the cold, in New York, in the conditions, but when he was indoors last week, you know, at NRG Stadium, and you needed those points so badly, they punted, and, and it was a 56-yarder, and yeah, it's three more yards. That's it. It's three more yards, and the conditions are perfect. So, yeah, I did... I, I brought it up in the last post game show and, and it still makes me think that it was very odd and a head scratcher. And, you know, it, it's not something that I think most fans were really crying about that he didn't attempt that 56 yarder. But I thought it was weird, especially with how Fairbairn has kicked this year. Uh, now we got to get a stat that, you know, this guy, I mean, come on, DeAndre Hopkins, my man. Extended his streak to 93 consecutive games with the reception to start his career. It is the longest streak in franchise history to start a career. It is the longest active streak in the NFL. Uh, And it's the ninth longest streak of games with the reception to start a career in the Super Bowl era. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, this guy, we've said it before, he is on a Hall of Fame trajectory There is no doubt about it. And DeAndre Hopkins, again, he is the offense. When he was being carried off the field, oh, brother. I mean, I'm like sweating, holding my breath. I mean, that's the guy right there. Uh, Luckily, you know, they said, oh, he he probably didn't need it. They were just, you know, it's DeAndre Hopkins. They said he deserved to be carried off the field. Hell, I'd carry him off the field. (laughs) I'd be out there with him. (laughs) The problem is, like, you know, I, I was looking at his face, and there was a lot of pain in his face. So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, now uh, Deshaun Watson, his first twenty-one games of his career, in his first twenty-one games, five thousand passing yards, more than five thousand passing yards, forty touchdowns. He's rushed for more than seven hundred yards. He's the only NFL player to ever do this. To ever do this. So. You know, Deshaun Watson, I, I think we want more out of him. We've talked about what more that the Texans need out of him because we're talking about Super Bowl. That's what you want. Uh, he's got another step to make. There is no question about it. But what he's done his first two years, his first only 21 games, it's remarkable. And, you know, this guy... Uh, if he can stay healthy, which is, you know, that might as well say that about anybody in the NFL, but with his history, we get it. That's what people are going to say, but yeah, he's on a hall of fame. Uh, he's on a hall of fame track too. So those two guys, we started off talking about the Texans superstars, Brian, and these guys, not only are they superstars, but these guys are some of the best in the NFL period. And and I, I, I'm still trying to figure out where Deshaun fits in the NFL hierarchy. You know, when you talk about the great quarterbacks and the Rodgers and the Brady's and, you know, you got to start including guys like Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff into the, in the conversation. But Deshaun Watson, uh, he, he's one of those guys quickly, one of those guys quickly becoming 
that type of guy. Uh, QT and Deontay Foreman not active again. Hopefully they can get Deontay Foreman back in the fold because Lamar Miller might not be right the next couple of games. And these next couple of games, Brian, just got very, very interesting. Did you see what happened on Sunday afternoon? Yes. Yeah, because I'm scoreboard watching like anybody else. And, you know, positioning is everything. So I'm going to let you take take the lead on announcing what just happened uh, to the Houston Texans. Well, what, what just happened to the second seed? And the second seed is now up for grabs. A first round bye is now up for grabs. If the Texans take care of business against the Eagles next week and the, and the Jags the following week, they win their last two games. They don't need any help. They don't need anybody else to win, lose, draw, whatever. All they got to do is win those two games. And they have a first-round bye and the number two seed and home field advantage. Let me repeat, home field advantage in the second round of the playoffs. And yeah, they're going to face somebody that's not going to be easy, but anything can happen on any given Sunday or Saturday, whatever day they're playing that game, Brian, and... The Texans just got to win these last two games. Easier said than done. The Eagles, uh, they might they might pack it in a little bit, but you know they're still the defending champion, and you, you just don't know. I mean, the Jets almost beat you in this game, and you know we've seen other games where the Texans should have beat teams a little bit more decisively than they have, and they've lucked into some games and stuff like that, but. You know, just win that game. And to me, I feel good about the Jags at home. This Eagles game, it's it's the game of the year now. I mean, for the Texans, we're talking about they've set themselves up for something historical because it's been since 1993 since the Houston NFL team has got to that has got a first round bye in the playoffs. Going back to the Houston Oilers, it's the first time that that's happened. And it's funny because that '93 Oilers team, if people remember. They started off one and four, and then they won 11 straight, if I remember correctly. They were one and four and won 11 straight. This team starts off 0 and three, and now they've won 10 of the last 11. So there is some similarities there. Yeah, you're right. The last team, Houston football team, to get a first round by was the 93 Oilers. So you're absolutely correct there. But let's talk about how devastating it is for the Patriots. The Patriots have not had this situation in nine seasons. When they make the playoffs, they're getting the first round by. So nine seasons there. Now they have done it. They have been able to get to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, in the wild card, you know, from the wild card round before. But it has been a while. And Bill Belichick in his era, um, it it he he hasn't done it in six tries. So you know, just think about all the history there. So, you know, this is just a rarefied air for for the the New England Patriots. The Texans, you know, whenever they do face them, because I do think that they will be, you know, I I think eventually they will face them in some way or some manner in the playoffs that uh, they're vulnerable. And this is a time for any AFC team, for that matter, to pounce, because this is not the same team that we expected to see you know, over these past seasons. So, you know, I think the Texans are the ones that are on the up and up on the AFC. You know, we've, you know, there's going to be some additions that are going to be made to make this team even better. But you've got the quarterback right. You hit on the quarterback. And after that, the rest is gravy. Yeah, we just talked about the quarterback. But you say the Texans 
could face the Patriots. Look, the Patriots right now, they if if they're say the three seed, if they fall to the three seed, uh, yeah, the Texans may face the Patriots in that first game that they play when they play. Oh yeah. Uh, after the bye week that they would get, mm-hmm. they would face the Patriots, assuming the Patriots take care of business. Uh, whoever that they would face, and they they could face the Colts and. Uh, the Colts still are hanging around. They won again this week. The Titans won again. The Texans still have wrapped up the division. So they, they got to win yeah. next week to wrap up the division. They haven't clinched a playoff berth, by the way. They have not clinched a playoff berth. That is still up for grabs. They could still not necessarily get it. I, it the math isn't there, but they're going to get it. But, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if you mentioned that. But, yeah, they have not clinched a playoff berth yet. Yeah, Texans, Texans haven't clinched a playoff berth, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, even with everything that they've done, even that they're exactly. in line for the number two seed, uh, because the the you know the the Titans and the Colts they just haven't gone away. They they they, they keep winning, um, they keep moving along. But it's it's gotten real interesting because you know with the Chargers, uh, they they beat the Chiefs, so maybe the Chargers still have a shot, a legitimate shot at winning the AFC West, and they have a shot at getting the number one seed. So imagine if that happens and the Chiefs are fall fall down and they're a wild card team. Uh they they could be, you know, causing all sorts of havoc to whoever they're facing in the wild card game. So yeah, it it's it's super interesting as we go down the stretch here. But I mean, the key number the only thing anybody should care about if you're a Texans fan, two more wins and they would have a bye in the first round. That would be something special. And you just got to savor this. You know, I, I, for, I'd like to shelve for just a couple of weeks here the talk of, you know, who are the Texans going to draft? Where could they improve for next year? What's going to happen? You know, what's the wor- the position that's good? You know, just savor the fact that they've done what they've done. They are where they are. Uh, I mean, this is something that uh, we might not see for a long time to come. You just don't know. And again, Bill O'Brien, his first 10-win season, and it's it's not happened in a while. we got to go back to the Kubiak era since we saw a 10-win season. And those things, they don't grow on trees in the NFL. They're not always difficult. Or they're not always easy to get. So, I mean, it, that is a big deal. Any final thoughts, Brian? Uh, talk, you're still up in New York, but I know you're coming home tomorrow. Any final thoughts? Uh, you, you survived the, the cold up there, I would assume. Oh, I just got out of the cold and it's snowing now because, you know, I was walking just right after I got off the out of the subway station. You know, my hands are my toes are numb. Yeah, but as soon as I got into some heat, I I feel great now. But uh, snow, that's just not something I get to see every day. And I'm savoring every bit of it. I mean, it's been raining all day, but uh, it's gotten so cold now. It's just it's snowballs just hitting the ground, just pelting and. You know, that was just really great to see. I also want to give a shout out to Eddie Hassan. And I definitely wanted to mention this at the beginning of the show. I know we had a lot to talk about, but Eddie Hassan is a dedicated Locked On Texas listener. He listened to the show where we talked about me coming up uh, to go see the Jets game. He recognized me. We've connected on Twitter. And um, I even had an opportunity to meet his family, his sister, his cousin. Uh, after the game, you know, we, we sat down. We just 
shot the breeze, you know, at a bar uh, in Manhattan, you know, near, uh, I believe it was 28th Street. So uh, we, we were able to you know, hang out and have a really good time. And uh, Eddie, just thanks for listening. Just keep getting the word out about uh, Locked on Texas. But uh, he's really a fan of what we're doing here, Rob. So I just want to let you know that, that he is an avid listener. And uh, it's just great I was able to meet him during the game. Hey, if you want to get a little shout out for yourself, just let, let us know. Tell us if you're enjoying the show, whatever, you know, connect with us through uh, Twitter. Uh, we know our email address, email address, locked on Texans at mail.com. It's in the show description if you forget, but let us know. We'll, 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 uh, we'll mention your name and uh, tell it, tell everybody that uh, you're a big fan of the show. We appreciate it. Uh, you can get more of our content on locked on Texans.com. Uh, great work by our guys over there, Nathan, Jeff, Joe, we mentioned earlier, Andy, Brandon, Calvin. Um, look for Brian's writing on houseofhouston.com, Rockets, Astros, etc. everything going on in Houston sports. And if, if you want to hear my takes on the Rockets and the Astros, listen to me and my co-host RG Seal on our Houston Sports Talk podcast. But uh, it is a happy post-game show. It's a little bit late. We apologize for that. Uh, crazy schedule for both of us this weekend. Brian's in New York. Uh, I've had some family stuff going on for the holidays, but uh, we connected. Hopefully, you can listen to us on your way to work on Monday morning or during your lunch break or something like that. Uh, we're going to keep bringing you shows as we do daily the rest of the week. But that's all we got for this one. Thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.